Welcome to another instalment of the Pro Mobile Podcast, the audio interview programme for mobile DJs. I'm Eddie Short, Pro Mobile's editor and podcast host. This month's podcast guests are husband and wife DJ business duo Peter and Michelle Holding. Their story is particularly interesting as, despite having a lifelong love for music, Peter only became a DJ less than five years ago. Since then, he has not only become a successful DJ, but together with Michelle, has built up a business that now provides all of their family income. Their story is inspirational for any part-time DJ who would like to one day turn their passion into a full-time career. The recording was made in Italy, which we explained during the interview, so listen out for the bells of the local clock tower chiming in the background halfway through, as well as a little dubious Italian singing towards the end. I received some feedback uh, about the last Pro Mobile podcast saying that having two people in on the conversation gave an extra dynamic. So I'm pleased to have uh, two people here with me again. Uh, I'm joined by Peter Holding uh, and his wife, Michelle, from All Parties Events. And Events. All Parties, parties and, and Events. events. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yes. Thank you. And so kind of the reason that we're here is that Michelle was very lucky and won a competition. Do you want to tell us a little yeah, bit about that? Yeah, I, I was absolutely amazed when we won. Um, Pete and I went to um, the BPM uh, this year and both entered a competition by putting our business cards in and registering on the FBT website. Um, didn't expect to win, but suddenly re- received a phone call to say that I was the winner. So really, really pleased to have had that opportunity to come along and, and see everything that FBT do out here in Italy. So, yeah, amazing. And so your prize was a trip? Uh, to come out to Italy, see their factory, that's right, yeah, uh, and hear some product demos. Yeah, and I was also given the opportunity to come out yes. along with you, yeah, um, and uh, see the factory, which was really impressive, wasn't mm. it? Yesterday? Yeah, amazing. Um, so I'll be writing an article about that, which will be in the next issue of the magazine. Excellent. I really wanted to uh, talk to you both anyway on the podcast because I think you've got a really interesting story, which is different from a lot of other DJs. So not that long ago, you had a different career. Yeah, yeah. No, when I listen to other podcasts, you hear about these guys that have got these long histories in the DJ world and they've done everything from working in the the local church halls to radio and all sorts of things. They've got these illustrious careers and our story only started about four and a half years ago, which is totally different. We had totally different careers and this, this whole way that this has come about has been a complete shock to both of us really and it's it's fabulous but a total change from what we were doing before which was we were both uh, originally in banking so um we we met first when we were mortgage advisors and we got together when we were bank managers and uh yeah since then of course we, we got married 12 years ago and we have got our own family now two two wonderful little boys and we uh, about five years ago, we were starting to think about what we might do that would be completely different. Um, I, I got out of banking a little bit longer ago than Michelle did and decided that uh, going back into it was not for me. I'd had enough of that, the, the whole banking sector. It's no longer either cool or good to be a banker. <laughs> um, I worked for a charity for a bit and, and that's kind of where the journey started, the the. the germs or the seeds of the idea came about then when I went off to I worked for a homeless charity and looked after their fundraising and communications and that's where the idea started. So how did that uh, come about? Well in the banking career after being a bank manager for a while I worked as part of a corporate team and we looked after um, a number of different things but part of that was events and I, and I loved it I absolutely adored uh, getting together with people and ha- holding events, um, and that so kind was of stayed that for with customers me. of the bank. Or? No, it was actually within the banking sector. So I would I would work with different parts of of our bank and different constituent parts of it. Because although it was a banking entity, there were a number of different brands on there, 
So I could name quite a few of them, but they would all be familiar to you, but they're all owned by one entity. Okay. So I would work with those different brands and um, we would do a number of different functions and uh, probably the biggest one was our awards, annual awards event. And the idea of that was to celebrate people doing good things. Okay. So uh, fundraising for a start, uh, team building exercises, going out and doing stuff in the local community and just doing good stuff in your community. And the biggest thing that I worked on was uh, our awards event. And the last year I, I worked on that, we had a, a budget of about a quarter of a million pounds for wow. a one night event, um, which was absolutely incredible. And it really gave me a huge bug in terms of doing that sort of thing. We haven't gone anywhere near that sort of scale since then, but it's it's uh, it's a lot more fun than than running a bank. Um, the the whole banking sector kind of imploded, as as everybody knows, two thousand and eight. Um, and the idea of us doing that sort of thing kind of fell off a cliff. And the opportunity then was either redundancy or going back to being a bank manager. And I really didn't fancy the latter, so I got out. I took redundancy and worked for a charity for a bit. Then your original question, I'm sorry, this is quite a long-winded answer, but, <laughs> but uh, your original question was, how did it come in, how did I go into thinking about becoming a DJ? Well, one of the first things I did as a fundraising and communications manager was we held a, a fundraising event, and the idea was, was that we'd get everybody together, have a bit of a party, um, and I hired a DJ and immediately saw that, that I could do much better I just immediately felt I could do better than that. Um, it looked like it was fun. It looked like it could be more fun. And I was pretty confident that I could, I could have a go at it. And that's where it all started, really. We had a conversation at the time that perhaps I should do that as a bit of a sideline, something in addition to my day job. A bit of extra as, money. As a bit of extra money, as I think probably so many people do. Mm-hmm. Because it is quite a... a, a, a entertaining thing to do and you can do it outside of your normal nine to five definitely yeah yeah and so that was about four and a half years ago yeah Mm, yeah and so how did you go from that germ of an idea i think i could be a dj how did you go from there to your first event i I think it would never really have happened if it wasn't for the involvement of michelle's dad we we got together with him and um he immediately said i like the sound of that. that that sounds i could do that with you and of course, that became quite a motivating thing because he was kind of egging us on. So we, between the, the between four of us, uh, myself, John, Michelle, and Jen, um, Michelle's dad's other half, we decided that we'd put enough money in to buy a set of kit and then we'd share it. Okay. Um, and we'd both go out and do a bit <laughs> yeah. of DJing. Um, and uh, we did, one of the first things we did was we joined up DJ, which gave us the public liability insurance that we needed, but also a number of leads, and immediately we had a source of business. So Great, we, go out okay. and we could start phoning the leads that were coming through, and we started taking bookings pretty much straight away. Do you remember what your first booking was? First paid booking was a Sweet 16 in the, uh, I think it might be called the Guildhall, but it's a very mm. big hall in Salisbury. It's called the Guildhall? I think it is the Guildhall, yeah. Yeah, that was our first paid booking. We actually did a little bit of a launch party in our own village, just so that we could test out the idea of running speakers, um, doing sound and lighting in front of actual people. And of course we didn't charge, we gave them cake and everything. <laughs> you bribed them to we come. We bribed them to come. And it really worked. Michelle, who's our PR genius at this sort of thing, managed to fill the local village hall with people by going out to local magazines mm. and, and getting free copy put in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did really well, but uh, yeah. So the first paid was a a sweet sixteen, and and not long after that we did a wedding. And so, how did the sweet sixteen go? First of all, well, I'd like to say it went well. I think it went as well as probably one of those things can do when you've got the lack of experience we had. I like to think I've got a really good knowledge of music. Um, and I think we played mostly appropriate So even though music. you've only just become a DJ, you always had that love of music. Music has been massive to me throughout my life. I, I, it's always been absolutely huge. I was going to concerts when I was 14. I started going to concerts. The very first concert I ever went to was Thin Lizzy. Wow. And, um, Good one. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely amazing. I went to a lot of rock gigs and I've been to concerts throughout my life and listened to and enjoyed music of all genres, all types throughout my life. So I, I, I had a pretty good knowledge of what was around at the time. Um, you know, and when they asked for obscure scar type stuff, because 16-year-olds do, I don't know how, I don't know why, <laughs> but they do, um, I knew what it was that they were after. But um, it's actually... Uh, the only 16 but a party for 16 year olds we've ever done apart from proms we've done some proms but at this particular one our first event we discovered that what they were doing was half of them would just suddenly disappear and then they would come back and as the evening progressed they got drunker and drunker and drunker <laughs> and it, it worked out they're out all to the, uh... they're all going outside to go around to their friends houses and, and have a drink and then come back so it was really hard to gauge how great it was for them but you know we won't ask for our money back let's put it that way well that's good <laughs> so the first event was your launch party that you did for free yeah second event was the 16th and then you did a wedding as your did a wedding third. shortly after yeah. that wow yeah. and how did that go um it yeah it went well the start was a bit sticky because we were playing a little bit loud i think and we realized quite quickly that that starting off at, at full power is not a good idea at seven o'clock um, <laughs> i thought it was appropriate because the kids were loving it but the adults <laughs> weren't um and uh yeah um it was it, it, it was really well again everybody really liked what we did it was both john and i djing at the time so and we took turns and we enjoyed it they enjoyed it um but i, th I think yeah the, the the missing bit was knowing how the evening should work, really, because of course you you don't want to be going full pelt first off, and um, there are things that you can do to change the way the whole night goes right at the very start of the evening that you just don't know when you start out. But you're going on what you've seen, and and you know what you've seen is generally what a lot of people are booking, which is not a massively high standard. Okay, yeah. and so you didn't know any other DJs at this point. You didn't sort of. Go and learn from anybody else other than no. people you'd seen doing it who you felt yeah. you could perhaps do a better job. Mm. Than. Yeah. And so how did the how did you go from that point and how did the business build up? Were you, were you involved at all, Michelle, at this point? Yeah, I, I was probably helping more on the kind of bookings and inquiries and trying to generate business and contacting the leads that we had in, um, mm. which were not, as we found, obviously the best leads necessarily to begin with, but we've kind of built on that by getting links with venues, haven't we, and, and built on yeah. it from there. But it was a really good base for us to, to start off on, yeah. as a gen get a gen good general range of different types of bookings, and now we've specialised more in the weddings area, haven't we, than mm. the kind of general birthdays and parties. But but no, so I've never never DJed myself. <laughs> It certainly helped helped on the customer inquiry side more. Yeah, Michelle's strength is, is the sales side mm. of it um, and dealing with customers in a, in a really properly efficient way and that that really got us motoring, that, that side of it. Um, and of course I was still employed at the time um, and uh, probably, I don't know, about a year in, uh, the, the, the well, the first thing, the first significant thing that happened that was Michelle's dad decided that it wasn't really for him. Okay. Um, the the for for a number of different reasons, he thought it would be better if we went our own way. Apart from anything else, we live a long way away from each other, so we were both driving inquiries, and of course we had one set of kit, and it was going between us, which was like a two-hour drive. Mm. So that really complicated things. And, and I thought the best thing to do was to buy a second set of kit. And it was at that point that, that John thought, no, maybe... The better thing it, to do would be for him to bow out and, yeah, and let you and run us, with it. us to take it on. Um, and of course, we worked out very quickly, very early on, that if you get a really good contact at a hotel and they phone up and ask you for a date you're already booked on, the absolute worst thing you can say is, oh, I'm sorry, I'm booked, please phone somebody else. Because you've now got a relationship that you're kind of... Putting in jeopardy. Putting in jeopardy. Yeah. Um, so uh, a guy I worked with at the time, Dean, um, really, we were having a conversation over a beer one day. And he this said, was somebody that you worked with at your day job? With in my day job. We were having a beer and we were talking about DJing in general and he, he let me know that he'd worked the Club 1830 thing um, 
and that uh, uh, doing the cha-cha slide with people was something that he loved to do. And I thought, you're for me. You're going <laughs> to you're going to come and work alongside me. And um, he's blossomed into an absolutely amazing DJ. Um, the feedback we get from him is just incredible, and he's a very very key part of our business. And that so, helps so us that's to build. Two of you who weren't DJs at all until no, very I'm, recently. In fact, Dean probably the more experienced of us, simply because he'd done the Club 1830 thing. So he'd done entertaining. Mm. He'd done entertaining, and he'd done a bit, a bit of DJing um, in, in in the Mediterranean, um, but not like I'm a DJ kind of thing. But you know, probably one of those things where he's thrown into it by necessity, I suppose. Um, and then the employers that I worked for lost uh, a couple of big contracts and they decided to slim down their head office. So redundancy came around again, again. For, the, <laughs> for the second time in, in four years. And, and I thought, well, that's, I'm taking a hint now. I'm, I'm going to become <laughs> complete. And it was either find another job or Michelle find another job. And I then do the DJ side entirely on its own. So at this point, you were you, were you still working at a bank? Or? Um, I was on maternity leave, I think, wasn't yeah. I, at the time. Yeah. So it was a, a point of either I go back into work full-time or Pete looks for a different job. And obviously, where I was on maternity leave, I could still help with the business. Um, but I was out of banking for a period of time. Uh, and it was just a decision, wasn't it, whether which of us was to go back into yeah. the next job. So we made the decision that I would go back into work with the bank again so that we still had the stability while we were building the business up. We had, knew we had that income, but then Pete would go full DJ. time into it because yeah. we were moving in the right direction with the business, weren't we, by then? Yeah. Um, but not quite enough for me to not go back into work um, after the boys. So, so it, was, it was a bit of a sacrifice going back into work full time with having the two boys, um, but we had the... We had the, the feeling that we were going to be able to build the business up enough. So even at that stage, you felt that the, the end goal yeah, would be I, I would, the business Yeah, I never would. wanted to be working full-time with the boys um, at home, you know, but we knew it wouldn't be forever, so... We were I went to make back, that sacrifice temporarily yeah, until... So you I moved to a different bank um, than the one that I was with before I had the children, but I went back into banking. You went full-time with the business, didn't you? And then, yeah. And so, how many years was that since you started? We were at uh, about a year. About a year about when a you year. went full time. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went full time, and it was a very scary time um, because we had a, a, a pretty good salary going, completely going. Um, and Michelle was going back into banking, but working for a different bank, and therefore starting a bit further down the ladder. Mm-hmm. So the salary wasn't as high. Um, but I, I really had this feeling that we could do something with this. Apart from anything else, I, by then I was absolutely in love with the work because it's just so much fun um, and so challenging. And I love a challenge. And you know, no, I, I, I know there'll be DJs listening to this who will absolutely nod in agreement that there's nothing more challenging than a wedding because mm-hmm. you've got all of these different ages and all of these different tastes and you've got to appeal to as many of them as you possibly can and, and that absolutely and I bring them together that. and yeah. unite them for that one night and, and yeah and, and you know give everybody a reason to say wow I really enjoyed that wedding and I think that's there's no greater challenge in DJing I really don't um, there's, there's all different ways of doing it but that to me is the toughest definitely I really feel it when you've when you've worked really hard and a wedding is the one where you you all work the hardest. And uh, it's easy to entertain kids and doing proms, that kind of stuff. It, it's it's pretty straightforward. But a wedding, you know, when you've got you've got a drunk bride <laughs> asking for Sean Paul, and then the mum is coming up and saying, "Please play Abba," and then immediately that's followed by a bridesmaid telling you that you shouldn't be playing the old stuff. It's quite a, just dealing with those little situations in that, and that's There's pretty a job much the as a mediator there, isn't it? Yeah, there is. There is. Sometimes you've got to be as much a diplomat as anything else, really. Absolutely. And so, at the point that you went full time, how much of your work was weddings, and how much of your work was other kinds of events? We were leaning. We we. I think the thing that got us going most was probably kids' parties because that was so easy to do, so easy to get. You do a bit of Google AdWords, and you could. You could mm. fill up a diary with, with kids' parties. 
Um, and although I very rarely do them now, I, I, I do love them because kids turn up to have a party, but nobody will actually <laughs> pay for it. And you've got to, at some point, make a business decision. So I very, very rarely do them now. But I will, I will swear by them as a, as a learning ground for DJing because apart from anything else, you've got to entertain. The kids aren't going to enjoy you standing there playing music. You've got to get out from behind your decks with a microphone and do all sorts of crazy things. And I think that there's no better training ground than that because they will just stand there and stare at you <laughs> with this face that says, what are you going to do next, buddy? And, and that's really, I, th I thought, was just magical, really. But then you quickly work out that you, you ca if you do a kid's party on a Saturday afternoon and you then go and do a wedding... It's you, hard work. You can barely move the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're not giving your best performance as well to, to a bride and groom who have paid considerably more as well. Um, and also, the business evolves. We, we, after, so it was about two years that, we, that I attended ProMobile and discovered there was a whole different way of doing things and, and a really, really key moment. So your first pro mobile conference, first pro mobile conference, coincided with the point around the time that you became full time as a DJ. No, I'd been full time for close to a year, so it was two years in. So oh, I've been, yes, been to three. Yeah, yeah. The, the so maths, the, the maths is difficult at this point, <laughs> isn't it? But so, you, so you were only a year in when you went full time. I was a year in when I went full time, and then. So how was that first year? It was very good. We made a lot of gains. We did a, we did a lot of work. Um, we built some good relationships, but there was always this missing bit for me because I could never really quite work out. Well, I knew it could be better. I knew it could be more professional. I knew I could be a better DJ. And I knew, there were certain things that I knew I could work on to get better, but there were these bits that were missing. And, I, and, and it was always there. It's like, how do I get to be a much better DJ? How do I get, where do I learn? Um, and it was around that time, that towards the end of the year, and getting into the December. In fact, it was the December, our second Christmas, that I first met Toby Oakley, who's very, very close to where I am, and got to know Paul Taylor as well, another guy that's, that's um, big in Hampshire. And they kind of opened their doors a little bit, and we started to network a little bit, and I started to find out bits and pieces. And coincidentally, at the same time, I saw a, an advert for ProMobile and mentioned it to Michelle. And I remember saying to you, That's, that looks great. I like the look of it, but it's a lot of money. And I'm not sure that I should be committing that much money this early in, in, yeah, in and, your business. Yeah. Yeah. And Michelle's response was? Yeah, just go for it. Just go, go for, for it. It. It, yeah. sounds, it sounds like it's what we need at the time. Yeah, and it, yeah was the best thing, wasn't it, to do? It totally, it changed everything. Mm. To, to, I mean, the first keynote was Randy Bartlett standing up and, and he said, I, I still remember it now, he said, I think we should be able to make a living from this, shouldn't we? And it was like, my God, this man is speaking my language. It really, <laughs> it lit up the whole thing and the stuff that he came out with and the learning that came out of just that, that session was massive it totally changed everything and and everything that went on throughout the next two days it really really changed our business forever it totally did and and I knew it at the time I didn't I knew it would have a big impact but I didn't actually know how big because mm. within a year our business had well much more than doubled it changes and, uh, your mindset doesn't it I think. yeah Test. so within a year you'd more than doubled what you were charging um, or the volume of business. I, don't, I don't, wouldn't know that we doubled more what we were charging, um, because the whole charging thing is for me is is a whole. We could probably talk for about an hour on that and, <laughs> and the mindsets behind it, because it's not just the customer, but it's your own perceptions as well. Um, but certainly our our charge gone up significantly, but the level of feedback changed completely. We were always good at what we did because we're we're you know we're for want of a better expression we're sales people we we sell and we know how to deal with people we know how to deal with customers that's what we've done all our lives so you know we i could go and play the 30 best songs but if i'm not on top of my game and not dealing with people properly 
then they're not going to have enjoyed my performance. And I, I get that feedback. I was getting that right at the very, very early stages. I'd only done probably three or four, four gigs, and I was getting people saying to me, oh, you're very different to the last DJ. I, you know, I walked up and asked him for something, he told me to go away. And it's like, you know, and you think, really? It's that, you know, you might have asked for something really inappropriate, but you're still, you're a customer. Mm-hmm. You're somebody that you might not have booked me. The person that's booked me is just over there and is your friend. And if you're going to go and moan about me to your friend, then I'm not doing that your friend a very good service. Mm-hmm. On you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, our basic customer service skills mm-hmm. Got us, got us. Put you in a really good place. Yeah, yeah, put us in a really good place. But it was then learning the stuff from from Randy and the other speakers as well, um, and the ones that were even in the industry about mindsets and all the different things that they did, all the seminars that they did, that just totally changed everything for us. Um, and well, we've done two more now, and every single time it gives you a chance to reflect on your business, the way that you're going, what you're doing. You get to speak to people and hear from people who are doing things at a totally different standard. And you start to integrate that, the stuff that you learn and the stuff you reflect on into the business. And it changes everything. That, that um, What we used to call CPD or continuing professional development is absolutely vital. And it's, it's right at the core of everything that we do. We always, and it's, again, it's our training. Whenever we do something, we think, well, how could we do it better? And if you're continually asking yourself that question in any line of business... You're going to be successful. You, you, you've got to, really. Yeah, yeah. And so, Michelle, mm. you then became even more involved in the business. Uh, yeah. When did that happen? Um, well, having gone back into work um, and changed banks, I went to work for Barclays as a business manager. So that helped us from a business perspective as well because I knew more about running a business from the training that I was given because it had always been personal banking that we'd been working in previous to that um, and we started to see a real increase in the volume of business we were doing to the point where Pete was really struggling to keep up with actually all the admin side of it as well as preparing for gigs and taking the bookings and school runs and everything else he was doing at home uh, whilst I was at work and so we decided to scale my hours down at work to part-time, first of all, just to kind of lose that part of my income to see if we were still, still sustaining everything. Um, went part-time in the December before I left, wasn't it? And then within six mm. months I'd left completely because it was just continuing the same pattern. We are just getting busier and busier and busier. The more I was in the business the more we could both respond to inquiries fully and chase things through. Um, so yeah, then we made the decision that it was the right time for me to leave. That was last July, so we've both been full-time in the business just over a year now. Um, not looked back at all, have we, really, no. since then? No. So yeah, so it's employing both of us, but neither of us are doing anything outside of this business now. Which is That's fantastic. Nice. It's lovely to be there for the children, both of us now. Um, mm. Gives us a balance, doesn't it? So we're... We're not there when they're asleep because <laughs> we're out doing gigs. But we've developed, but, but we've developed other parts of the business to include the photo booth side, which is what I'm more involved in. I was going to so. ask you about that. So, so when yeah, did you add the photo booth? That's probably what's enabled us, really, to have me leave the, the bank. Um, we've had the photo booths now. Well, we bought the first photo booth probably about coming up for two years ago, wasn't it? It'd be two years yeah. in December, wouldn't it, I think? November. November, was, the, was it? We, we yeah. had a, a launch... That's right, yeah. in November, yeah. so it would be two years November. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and of course you don't see those bookings coming through for a while. You take your booking, obviously, often, because we're primarily weddings, um, a lot of people book in for a year's time. So it took a, t- a little while before the actual money started coming through from those bookings. You start to take the bookings, but, but the once we realised them, yeah. um, mm. and I deliver the photo booth bookings, obviously, where I can. We've got two photo booths now. Um, some on, obviously, some of them, not all. Um, and your grand plan when you first introduced the photo booth was that Pete would be the DJ and you would go yes, with him and right. do the photo booth, <laughs> yeah, which um, has not quite worked not out. Not always, no. <laughs> Sometimes we're on the same wedding, um, but quite often we're completely separate weddings, uh, which is fine. But you, you, uh, we've, we've really seen that take off. And because Pete had the strength of seeing 
other photo booth providers at the weddings he was DJing at. We'd taken all the best bits that he'd seen from the photo booths he'd seen and kind of and eliminated sure they, all the uh, negative parts. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> um, to come up with our own our own proposition, which we get lots of good feedback on. We have lots of props, and people always comment on, you know, what what, what a good um, what a good option we are compared to other other photo booth providers they've seen. So. And you were telling me the other day that one of your USPs is that you always have two people yes. on yeah. the photo booth. Yeah, so we've got somebody looking after um, the guests using the photo booth, keeping the props table tidy, and a second person looking after the guest book. So rather than providing a guest book and pens and glue on a table, and leaving, um, the, guests and leaving to the guests to fill that in, I hope, you know, often those prints are not going to reach the guest book, or they're going to be stuck in wonky, or drink's going to be spilled. So to us, <laughs> There's a real value in providing someone to look after that process, delivering a really nicely presented guest book to the bride and groom at the end, and encouraging the guests to leave little messages in there for them as well. So you get so, people into the photo booth, yeah. take a picture, they get a copy, yeah. you will then stick a copy into the guest book, That's right. and then you'll ask them to write something exactly. alongside it. Yeah, and we personalise the front cover of the guest book with the bride and groom, you know, a picture of the bride and groom using the book, and then that's presented at the end. But yeah, we've chosen a nice quality guest book, and like, you know the, the the actual quality of the prints is the best you can get, the best cameras you can get. Everything about what we do is 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 the best that's available, because we believe that's what people want, especially for their wedding. They want quality there, mm-hmm. so so we want a quality experience and, and also a quality souvenir for that bride and groom to take away with them, and we mm-hmm. get quite emotional feedback from brides and grooms yeah. about that guest book, don't they? Yeah, yeah, that is that is a really key part. And again, it's down to at the end of it, what is it that they really, really want mm. out of the and you know, again, I alluded to it earlier, when when you sit down with the bride and groom and ask them what they want out of their wedding entertainment, they want all their guests to have a good time. Mm. They don't necessarily want you to play the sixty to hundred best tracks they've ever heard. They they want that, but actually more than that, they want the guests to have a good time. And with a photo booth, to an extent, the music um, is a tool to create the atmosphere. So everybody has a good time. Yeah. yeah, it's part of it. But if you've not set up certain points right, and you've not done the music around the right way as well, um, then then the guests aren't having such a good time. Something like I don't know Swedish House Mafia going out full blast at eight o'clock is going to alienate half the guests and they're going to want to go home. Um, whereas at eleven thirty, it's probably going to be quite a lot of fun. Um, but with the, with the photo booth, again, a big part of it is that guest book, and that is the USP of a photo booth over the traditional photography service. And that's one of the reasons I think booths will be around for a while, because the bride and groom have something. Uh, unique to take home and it's it's a permanent record of all their guests having a great time and, and acting silly um, and we we feel that rather than just you know not have a guest book which some people do um, by pure fact of not actually having a printer there um, that, that, or having a cheap one where they just slot the photographs in by pre- presenting them as something with all these messages in and all these fantastic photographs done really really nicely it, it's uh, it really we the feedback we get as Michelle said is is very emotional. They they absolutely love it. And I think also it. having a photo booth gets people up off their chairs as well. Mm. So rather than some people that may have chosen to not dance straight away because they just want to sit and talk for a bit, um, they're intrigued by what the photo booth's all about and they see other people going in. It just creates laughter. It, you can't help but enjoy. Whether you dress up or you don't dress up, obviously most people do, but whether you dress up or you don't, the minute people go in there, they're laughing, they're walking mm. around showing each other the photos they've had done. Um, it does raise the atmosphere of the party quite substantially, doesn't it? Yeah, it gets things provides moving. a halfway between sitting, sitting mm. at the table yeah. and on the dance floor. Yeah, and people will be jigging about a bit while they're waiting to go in the photo booth, and, yeah. mm. and people take the props sometimes onto the dance floor with them, the cowboy hats and things like that. And we don't mind that, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's our client is the, is the bride and groom. And if it's adding to the party, the odd prop finding its way into the dance floor isn't a problem as long as it makes its way back eventually. Don't mind Hopefully. It, so. Hopefully. So no, it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you seeing that part of the business growing still? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, we encourage customer feedback on our Facebook page, um, and, and that really helps, I think, 
brides and grooms can see what other brides and grooms are, are saying about what we've done. We've got lots of positive reviews. Mm. People using the photo booth ask for cards because they love the idea of the guest book side of things. They've enjoyed it themselves, so we get the and bells, it feeds don't back. we? It, it comes back as well. We've just we've just taken a booking. Um, which uh, Michelle was telling me about today, for uh, one of our photo booths assistants teacher, <laughs> who, who was talking about her wedding, and uh, our photo booth assistant managed to sell her both the photo booth and the DJ service <laughs> for us, um, and and so it gives us an additional something else to to do to sell more of the DJ service on. Mm. Um, as well as the other stuff that we do, because we get an opportunity to talk to people about more stuff. You also do all-day hosting now. Yes. When did, did that come into what you do, and how did you get into doing that? Well, it was very soon after the first Pro Mobile conference, um, where I, I thought, I'll take a gamble on it, and just by, I, one, of, one of the first things I did was I went, I accompanied Paul Taylor, to one of his, so I saw the nuts and bolts of what he did, mm-hmm. um, and I thought I was I was fairly confident that I could do, um, if not the same job, at least something that wasn't so dissimilar that it would be embarrassing. Um, <laughs> so I thought I'd give it a go, and the the venue a venue that we do a lot of work at um, had uh, a bride coming up and who they knew and they said it would be absolutely fine if I took a bit of a flyer and gave it a go and we went we, we went along to that wedding and that was my first all-day hosted service and it, it just it really really worked it, it, it just clicked everything clicked and everything that everybody says about it's a better experience you get to know the guests more they get to know you more you have a better time it all just came into place and that that it really really worked so yeah, and since then it's developed into something that's obviously more than that, um, where where you just are much more involved in the whole thing. And how many of those would you say you do now, compared to just the evenings? Uh, it's probably we're looking probably looking at about fifty fifty. I would say about fifty fifty. Yeah. And do you think that's growing? I do. Yes, I do. Uh, apart from anything else, as you get better at it, you get better at selling it. Um, and also, you, 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 and, you know, I, 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 it's pretty much it's gone on record that I've said that sometimes it's nice just to turn up and just do an evening um, because there's not quite as much work involved. So it's nice to have that kind of a balance, really. But so but you do I'd, like to still sort of keep your hand in to just doing evenings. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would never say to anybody, no, I don't want to do your wedding because you only want me there for the evening, um, and on the days where you are doing an evening only it's actually it can be quite nice sometimes because you're not putting in quite as much work um, there's still work involved obviously but it, it's not quite as intensive but uh, I do love doing the all day hosting and especially if you like the couple I mean working with people that you like always makes a big difference doesn't it yes. we've all had those <laughs> brides and grooms and we think I'm not really that sure that you're an amazing person but uh, it's very very rare but it does happen but if you like the people and there are people that you just you can't help thinking I just so want this to go so well for you and you put so much more effort in and, and it's just it really comes across so they they tell that they can tell straight away so I mean it's usually those ones that you do most of the all-day weddings for you, you just click at the meeting and then they just want you there for the day and then you want to be there for the day it's great it's absolutely brilliant we were talking yesterday about Toastmasters, which mm. you joined recently. Has that really helped with your massively hosting? Massively, yeah. I to to get up in front of thirty, forty, fifty relative strangers and talk for between five and seven minutes is a, a step much further on than than doing you know a grand entrance at a wedding. And I've done training. I've done the Randy Bartlett training, and I've done some with Derek Pengelly as well. Um, and that all really helped a huge amount um, but you know and it, the training is great and it gets you to a really good point but it, it, it's practice that makes you much more comfortable on the microphone and people can really tell that your level of confidence changes um, and Toastmasters is a huge difference I've only been doing that for about five months but already it's made a massive massive difference I can really feel much more comfortable on the microphone so I would highly, highly recommend that. And so what does the future 
uh, look like for your business? Have you got any plans for... Yeah, I mean, we've already built on um, what we offer as well as the all-day hosting. Uh, we've, we've brought in things like love letters, um, some venue decoration like twinkly starlit backdrops. Um, obviously, we look at uplighting, which we've done for a while now. Uh, we're about to embark on our third photo booth. That'll be in December, going to three. Um, and, yeah, just really continuing in the same same line, aren't we? Primarily. Yeah, yeah. And there's the, the thing is with this this uh, business, just the wedding business, there are so many opportunities where, um, you know, and I, and I know DJs who will say, well, you should just stick to DJing. Um, but my, my opinion is, is that if you're turning up somewhere and somebody else is doing a service that your business can handle, um, but do it better and be uh, a, a one point of contact rather than more points of contact, that uh, it's it's a serious consideration, and we're we're building a business and a future, um, and this is very much our thing. This is what we do. We don't have other jobs, so we look at it from a purely strategic point of view. And there are opportunities out there. We've been out here in Italy with FBT and met and networked with a bunch of people. Um, one of whom I don't know how many dance floors did he say he had? Sixty-two. Sixty-two mm-hmm. dance floors. Oh, we wow. were thinking. Should we get one dance floor? This guy is on such a different level, and it's inspirational. And you know whether we get a dance floor or not is still up for debate. But you've got to think: is it part of the business plan for the future? It's very much under review, and and where we go, you know, the the, the other opportunities. Of course, we've got sets of PA that sit there Monday to Friday and don't do a huge amount. So you know, we know there's corporate work out there. We could probably look at that. Um, that's that's the whole point. It's exciting. What does the future hold? Well, you know, watch this space. Who knows, really? It's, uh, we've got some ideas, but but I, I firmly believe that next year we'll be doing things that we haven't thought of yet. Um, and and you know, we will already do a couple of things that we hadn't thought of this time last year, and they go really really well. And just over two years ago, I really photo boost wasn't really on my horizon, but it's such an intrinsic part of our business plan now. That, that uh, yeah. In another year, two years, who knows? Yeah. Who what knows? Yeah, we yeah. respond to customer demand, don't we? So very much. When enough people ask us for yeah. something we don't have, that's the time to think about adding it. That's what's happened with the love letters, for yeah. as an example, isn't it? Yeah. Just, enough times we said no, we don't have love letters. No, we don't have love letters. Now we have love letters. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You can only say no, we don't people do that so many times. For, yeah. for things you think yeah. it's crazy, we don't have them. So. Yeah. Yeah. And they do, they do, because they, we, we sit and we talk about things. And because we do that, and because we are responsive to customers, mm. they like to talk to us and they like to get ideas. And then they will ask for things. Mm. And when you've said no two or three times, you think, well, maybe we should stop saying no. Mm. And, and find a way to say yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so at the moment you're working from home, everything, sort of you store the equipment at home, your office is at home. The office is at home. Uh, we took on a unit, uh, a, a warehouse type unit in, in August this year. Um, and again, that's changed things for us. We've got an awful lot of space that we're not using at the moment, but that's great because I look at that space and I think, what am I going to put in there? Um, I'm sure FBT could come up with some answers, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's 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 um, there's scope now because we had literally run out of room, and and to then be in a position where we're thinking, right, well, we can do more, but we can't get the stuff because we can't put it anywhere, is a bit crazy. So we bit the bullet, and we got a warehouse, and and that will be developed over time um, into into more of an office stroke warehouse. Um, and uh, again, just through Pro Mobile, BPM, things like that, meeting uh, a guy called Adam Bozeman of Dance Floor Couture, got to know him really, really well. Um, and uh, in, a, in a kind of a, a business mentoring kind of way, he's just you know very straightforward, knows the answers, he's been there, done it, and gives good advice. And, and you look at their model and you look at how their business is shaping up and it's inspirational. They've got great little office area, a fantastic customer meeting, space and you think oh, wouldn't I wouldn't I like that <laughs> and, that, and that it inspires you really so yeah it's I think to work towards yeah, yeah so we are running out of time but I'd just like to ask a few uh, 
standard questions to everybody who comes <laughs> on the podcast. So let's have a yeah. go at, at those. Pete, as DJs, we all love gear. We've already talked about some gear things. Yes, we have. <laughs> um, what one piece of equipment couldn't you live without? Yeah, well, there's, there's so much equipment. And, and um, the thing is with this game, you are a bit of a geekhead, aren't you, really? Let's face it. But, <laughs> but I think I would have to say um, my iPad it is, it is everything to me in terms of it. it does little bits of everything and it does it really, really well. So I use it as a sales tool. I've got lots of pictures on there that I can show people when I'm sitting and talking to them. It's a backup. It's got loads and loads and loads of songs on it, which I can plug into um, my Denon mixer, which again is something I couldn't probably do without, but uh, it, it has to be the iPad. And I use it it's for ceremonies a huge amount because you can, you can set things up um, using a combination of uh, Spotify and the Go button, which I know has been talked about in these podcasts before, which is a fabulous invention. So that's an app that you can It's get. an app, yeah, where you can essentially program what's going to happen during the ceremony. And you, all you do is, when it comes to playing the right music at the right time, you just press go, press go. and off it goes. And it's, it's absolutely fantastic. So my iPad is, is yeah, I, I love that thing. I really do. The other passion that most DJs share is music. Is there a band or an artist that you love who our listeners may not uh, I've come across before. I highly doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I highly doubt it. Um, the, the, I, I, I love music of all sorts. I love new stuff, particularly. Um, and I, it's, I, I like the older stuff as much as anybody else, and I love to listen to Thin Lizzy and rock groups like that. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, to come up with a band that... that your listeners have not heard of I, I highly doubt it I've got to say I've got to say I think for to look for inspiration in music um, there are some DJs in our world that do that do a fabulous job of unearthing the stuff um, and a good one uh, just been launched is a is an online thing called Dance Music Review by Ian Smith um, and I think if you look at that you can find some, Ian's very good at digging out very good stuff um, and uh, I found quite a lot there but but that's where I would head to but you know yeah I, I don't know anybody really that obscure that your listeners won't know <laughs> okay. I'm afraid sorry about that no problem <laughs> and so what would your one piece of advice be for an aspiring DJ um, perhaps particularly maybe if we think either an aspiring DJ or maybe somebody who is already a DJ but is looking listening to this and thinking actually I'd like to get to where you are and be a full-time DJ? I think the number one thing is networking. Get out there, find like-minded people in your field of work, talk to them about their journey, where they are, listen and use the advice that's going to suit you. I've heard an awful lot of advice, um, but that's advice that probably suits them a little bit more. And everybody's got a different style and a different approach. Um, so it's being open to everything, but yeah. choosing the right things to take on board for 100%. But the, the real key part is that networking thing and going out and not seeing everybody as competitors. There's enough weddings. There's enough proms. There's enough birthday parties out there for us all. Um, and there's enough of a, a low standard out there for us to look at it and think well, we can do better we can do better by, by networking and working together and raising the standards within the DJ industry we can do much better I think and, and that ne- it all starts with networking getting to know each other and, and you will also get business from, from networking mm-hmm. you, you do I mean I've, I've picked up a fair bit of business over the last two or three years through DJs I know saying well I'm not available on this date can you do it? And we've given quite a bit of work out as well. It's, it, it, it's great. It goes both ways. It does go yeah. both ways. Yeah. What about you, Michelle? From your perspective as a non-DJ, mm. but in the industry, yeah. what would you say to a DJ thinking about or, or, or looking for a way to become full-time? Mm. I think um, a real focus on what the customer's looking for, making sure you go back to your inquiries promptly, efficiently, really looking after the bookings, keeping communication going. I, th- I think as a consumer myself, I always go on reviews a lot. So keeping Facebook page running, updated, 
and getting up a little bank of reviews there because I, I always asking people to give you feedback. Yeah, once you've once you've got those gigs and you've you know you've delivered a good experience to, to a customer, to invite them to review, um, and then be able to refer new customers to your Facebook page um, or wherever you decide to have those reviews hosted, I think has been quite quite good for us really. I think that's been quite key because you've got to build that trust with people, although they might have been referred by someone that's already used your services, to then be able to read what other people say, I think it's quite valuable. Mm. And so finally, Pete, do you have a secret floor filler? <laughs> Just a, a, a song, maybe not the old, most obvious choice, but one that you're finding we've, is we've really got, working. Yeah, we've got a guy who works with us a lot, actually. I hadn't actually mentioned him yet, but... Um, uh, a guy called Paul Armstrong and uh, he is probably the most experienced DJ in the world um, and he is my man that I turn to when I need when I need song advice choice um, in any situation and uh, he's, he, he comes up with some real real nuggets um, but uh, I think you know it, it changes over time um, but for me, the, the song that goes right across everybody, everybody loves at the moment, everybody gets on the dance floor, um, is uh, Walk the Moon, Shut Up and Dance. And it just works so magically well. And if you follow up a first dance, if you've set the first dance up correctly and then put that on, you've got a full dance floor every single time. And it just, it really, really works fantastically well. And I wouldn't say it's a secret or it's a song that people don't know, but if you follow the first dance that you've set up correctly, with the right song, and that is the right song, and you, you've got a good night on your hands straight away. Great stuff. Well, Paul, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me. Let's go and have some more wine. Let's. <laughs> <laughs>